What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Den of Nerds podcast. I'm sitting down with a very special guest, Star Wars Meg. Meg, what's up? Thanks for having me. Great Hi. to be here. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to sit down and talk to you. You are the first female guest for the podcast. Ooh. Yeah, so there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, you've got a you got a rep. You got to represent the uh, the females. Failed you. Good job. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, let's talk. Let's first just get into Star Wars in general, like the fandom, right? Um, you know, yeah. I, I was saying before we went live, I feel like your content does a really good job, and I think that, you know, I, I wonder how much you think about this as far as like your brand and your content. Um, you do a good job of acknowledging the fans that are very upset and sort of acknowledging where we're at with the Star Wars fan base, but you're, you remain optimistic and, and you really try to strike an optimistic tone, uh, with your content and with your coverage of Star Wars. I, I wonder, like, is that a, is that a conscious thing first of all? And then also, you know, leading into kind of what is your take on Star Wars, on the Star Wars, uh, fandom as a whole? Sure. So I would say it's conscious because, I don't like anyone to feel left out, you know. I always wanted to create a channel where Star Wars fans who hate the sequels, who love the sequels, who hate the prequels, who love the prequels, they all feel like their opinion is, I guess, reflected or respected. Um, I, I found that there's two very extreme camps, which I don't like, which are the people who think everyone who dislikes the sequels are just toxic. And on the other hand, the what I call toxic positivity, uh, you're shunned if you question or criticize anything in Star Wars. So I wanted to create a space where, you know, I give my opinion, but also respect and value everyone's opinion of Star Wars. Yeah, no. So it is kind of a conscious thing. This kind of comes from, yeah. you know, because I'm look, I, I don't think many people, if anybody gets into making Star Wars content, unless they're a Star Wars fan. So, I mean, we could take it, take it sort of back a step. You're obviously a big Star Wars fan. Like, so I assume by making that decision in your content, like you, you know, you went through the, you went through the fan wars like everybody else around the time of the sequels. So, I mean, what was that experience like for you kind of going through that? And, and yeah, what was your ultimate, I guess, takeaway? Very good question. So I grew up with the prequel trilogy and that for me to this day is like my Star Wars is what I consider to be my Star Wars. Um, kind of reflecting what Ewan McGregor said, you know, those kids like myself back then, who are now adults in our 20s and 30s. Um, that is what we consider to be the Star Wars of our childhood. Um, I suppose when the sequel trilogy came around, because I didn't create my channel until after The Rise of Skywalker, um, but I remember watching channels like yourself and Theory and um, Star Wars Only talking about the the sequels at the time and wasn't really like vitriolic towards it but it is my least favorite trilogy i remember there being so much so much just hate within the fandom i really didn't feel strongly against the the sequels even though they weren't my cup of tea um rise of skywalker in particular for me was a bit really the biggest disappointment of the trilogy in a way it still motivated me to create a channel and talk about it at the time people were still discussing the rise of skywalker going into 2020 um the mandalorian had just come out which was also a good thing there was just not one piece of star wars content to be the center of discussion yeah that's pretty interesting so you you kind of yeah so what is your i guess um it's just kind of interesting like watching you know channels uh cover this did you feel like 
there was a shift after Rise of Skywalker because, like, for me personally, that it kind of felt like there was this moment where, like, almost in a weird way, Lucasfilm did unite the fan base by making most people really not like Rise. And so it almost was like there was like this weird time period where a lot of people were seeing a little bit more uh, eye to eye, you know, on these sort of things. And I, I, I don't know, for me personally, as someone who was really trying to give a fair shake to the sequels and, and actually ultimately did make a lot of positive content about the sequels, it wasn't really until for me, like even after Rise, a little bit of time had passed when I, when it really sort of sunk in and, and my disappointment and my sort of you know, just negative feelings towards Star Wars really started to ramp up in the wake of that. Was that something that you felt as well in the uh, in the fandom? I think so. I think so. I think there was this initial um, reaction by a lot of people that a lot of people felt that it wasn't as bad as The Last Jedi. I don't personally hold that view, but that was something a lot of people took away from the film a lot of people were still on the high of hearing the voice, the voices of the the Jedi of the past, and a lot of people really love love the film, which is amazing, which is a good thing. Um, but as you said, with time, I think when we got to take a step back and reality kicked in, I think it was only then when, as you say, there was more like a, a union in the fandom where a lot of people were like, you know what, it was actually quite a disappointing ending to the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I hope. I mean, look to me, like I had always felt, even before watching it, that that was sort of a marketing thing that Disney did, right? Like the Skywalker saga, to my knowledge, that was never something that was even used as verbiage uh, until uh, you know, I would say six months out of the movie, and it started to me really felt like a uh, marketing thing, you know, to, to to elevate the position of that movie to make it more of a draw to people that perhaps had even been, you know, let down by, uh, Rai or, uh, by the last Jedi. And so like, I kind of always sort of wrote it off as a uh, marketing. Maybe I like mourned it early on, but, uh, ultimately I do think that's kind of a really big sticking point for a lot of fans is that they did that. And that's, if that's really the ending and, you know, I hear a lot of these things because, like, you know, like the comment section of Star Wars videos, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with by now, uh, has has a pretty mixed bag on on how people feel about stuff. And I find that even in getting excited for Kenobi or even in getting excited for The Mandalorian uh, season three or Book of Boba Fett, there's this attitude of fans that's like, well, it all inevitably leads to the sequel trilogy. So why would I care? You know what I mean? Or, or something uh, mm-hmm. to that degree. Do you see that as well? I personally don't hold that view. I see that in the in the comments, absolutely. Um, but what I really got out of it, even if I don't particularly love the sequels, is this is the place, you know, if you're talking about the Mandoverse, this is a place where they can explore, um, you know, the 20 years leading up to the sequel trilogy after Return of the Jedi. They can explore this period of time and it be its own contained story. And, and then really came to accept that Rey's story in the sequels it's really about her and her journey. So the universe is a big place in Star Wars. And even if some of these characters don't appear in the last three films, I'm not bothered by the fact that it leads to that kind of political, um, you know, with the First Order and everything, that kind of world yeah. we find ourselves in in the sequel trilogy. Um, and with Kenobi, again, I, I don't see it having anything to do with the sequel trilogy because we're 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So me, I don't really care that eventually that happens. Because I don't see Star Wars 
it's all dependent on episode seven to nine. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just it's an interesting thing that I, I think the the sort of lingering problem with a lot of this could be traced back to sort of a marketing decision that was just said to sort of elevate um, a particular movie. And it just I, I guess, uh, you know, my biggest problem with Star Wars over the past five years, I'd say, has to do with the way they handle like their public relationship or with the fans basically like the way they interact with the fandom the way that um it's sort of like what they curtail and what they choose not to curtail as far as uh messaging and even though like a lot of those comments like i don't agree with them and i i actually like it's so weird because like i don't like those movies but i don't necessarily mind like those beats if that makes sense so like if you think of it as just like a a grand tale and you were just telling all of these different beats of the story and we weren't actually like watching the story uh you know unfold if you just kind of take it to a place where you're like oh yeah and then you know much later in the galaxy luke skywalker jaded disappears his nephew starts to wreak havoc there's this girl that comes up out of nowhere starting to interact with the characters and thwart him she ends up being related to palpatine but ends up turning uh, against palpatine in a last ditch moment when he tries to return she defeats him using the help of all of the jedi and you know that to me that's at face, really not that bad. You know what I mean? There's all sorts of little problems with the execution of those movies and maybe even some lore problems. But I think to me, ultimately, like, I just don't view it as that problematic or devastating that, like, that is the story. I feel kind of similar about the prequels. And even though, like, the prequels have done nothing but grow on me ever since, you know, they came out. And they came out at a time when I was very young, so I, I really enjoyed them. And then sort of later on in life when I went to film school and... and <laughs> kind of investigated them with perhaps a different perspective. I, I actually didn't like them as much, and I started to recognize a lot of the, the holes and the flaws. But I would always tell people that like really didn't like the prequels. I'm like, yeah, but those beats are good. Like, it's a good story, you know? Like, ultimately, like, even Phantom Menace, just at face value, it's kind of a fun story, you know what I mean? Princesses and, and negotiations and Jedi and stuff like that. So, I don't know. For me, I've never... Uh, been as bothered by it but i totally notice it right like as a big thing like it's almost it's almost damn near constant in in the the content that i make and the conversations that i have that that lingering issue that people have with it i guess i wonder is like do do you see a way out of this for the star wars brand like what is your take on that maybe you don't even see it as as a big of an issue as i do um i wouldn't say there's a way out, you know, of um, everything leading to the sequels. But as I said, if they can create these self-contained stories, I think it was Dave Filoni and John Favreau's plan from the start to kind of build up um, what's going on to do with Mandalore and the Imperial Remnant and how that kind of leads to the First Order and the problems in the galaxy at the time. I think they always wanted to kind of have that as a subplot, just keeping the essence of the Mandalorian story what it is and I mean, you mentioned Lucasfilm and, and I think the way that they've interacted with the fandom and the way they've marketed things hasn't really helped in any way um, but going back to your question I don't see a way out of out of it yeah so I don't it's like I guess maybe I didn't say it the right way I, I don't necessarily I'm not asking like what's the way out of that inevitability because I agree that I think that's the way it's going to go I guess what I mean is what's the way out for the fandom like is how could we get to a place yeah like how could we get to a place where maybe the fans 
aren't as um, just so triggered by anything that uh, starts to lead into the sequel. Do you, do you think there is a solution for that? Unfortunately, and I don't mean to be, you know, pessimistic and a downer, but I don't think there's any way out of that. Hmm. A lot of a lot of what these fans are saying is, you know, the damage is done or these are the stories they gave us. They didn't seem um, didn't seem like they wanted to give fans stories from the expanded universe that a lot of fans were kind of hoping for, at least to some degree. Um, and going back to the Mandalorian universe, there is elements of Ed's the Empire that will probably be sprinkled in and about season two as well. Um, I don't see a way out. I think there is damage done. I, I would just say the course of time might be kind to the sequels. Sure. It's going to take a while. Yeah, it's that's, take a while. yeah, that's fair. I guess like my next question is just like, well, then as a brand, like what, what do you do in a situation like this? And do you even think that they're aware of this problem? You know what I mean? I think they're very aware. And I think the solution from like the branding point of view from Lucasfilm to be like, okay, we need to fix how the fans perceive this company and, and the Star Wars content is by giving fans the kind of shows and movies that we want to see. And I think that starts with of Boba Fett, even though, you know, that was a bit clunky in places. Um, then with the Kenobi series, the Ahsoka show, I think all of those are in place. All take time. Yeah. Honestly. And I think there's a reason they've kind of been, I mean, aside from like the Galactic Star Cruiser, I think there's a reason they've been really silent with supplementary sequel stuff. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, at the time of recording this, like, uh, you know, my brother from another mother and my uh, co-host on Nerd Theory, we just had a, a, a pretty big argument about this because, you know, it sort of encapsulates, I think, where a lot of my frustrations are with things and his frustrations are with things. And it's like we're, uh, you know, I think three, four years, three years away from Rise. You know what I mean? And there's been no... <laughs> Uh, sequel trilogy content, really. I mean, there's some comic book stuff here and there, but it's pretty obvious to me that there's been a shift. And I, and I take that shift as a good sign. You know, it's like them saying, okay, we're reading the room a little bit here and we're trying to adjust and we're trying to sort of switch. But, you know, he still feels like, even though we literally have had zero content, you know, sequel-wise, in my opinion, he still feels like there's still this focus or emphasis on the sequels. And then, especially, uh, you know, sort of getting into the Mandalorian Season 3 stuff, you know, it feels like in some of the most recent leaks, there's a pretty direct line to First Order, you know, and to uh, creating the First Order. And that just will likely be met with so much, you know, vitriol and, uh, and, and concern from fans. Um, and as you said, like a lot of that damage is done, but I would argue that that damage is done and, and continues to linger. You know what I mean? And I, and I just, you know, I, I would love for the brand like to, like, I think they've been way too quiet personally, you know? Um, and they've made very little announcements last year. Now, perhaps, this is because they've got a big plan and they've got huge things and they got all this fun stuff, which I think is partially true, right? They've got some stuff planned, obviously. Uh, and they could perhaps drop on us, you know, some kind of a roadmap of like all the fun stuff that we're going to get as fans moving forward. But I, I just, I, I worry, you know what I mean? And and I think that the, the brand is in a pretty precarious uh, spot right now. It's kind of unlike a lot of other things I've seen in fandom, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely agree with that. I think you nailed, you hit the nail on the head with it. 
mostly to do with the fact that there is a shift and we feel that they're giving us prequels content in the comics they've been focusing on, you know, the original trilogy timeline with War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Reign. Um, and going to your point about this direct line between the shows like The Mandalorian and the sequels, that does linger. Yeah. As you yeah. said, and, you know, today we had the thing about um, the Praetorian Guards and possibly Snoke, and I'm not too sure if that will create like a vitriolic reaction, like a knee-jerk hate in fans. Some, for some fans it will, but to an extent, if they can make those stories better, improve the character of Snoke, kind of give us a more interesting backstory, I think possibly they could win over fans with it. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because that's that's kind of interesting because that that does seem to be the strategy, right? Like they and it's a strategy they've implored before around the prequel time with the Clone Wars, etc. But so it does kind of seem like there's an effort to sort of clean it up or improve it or you know make it better. I mean, what do you say to fans that are like, don't do that, and that feels disingenuous, and just move on? You know what I mean? Like, I guess it, it kind of comes down to. What's the strategy? Do do you try to clean it up and try to just make it feel a little bit more organic? And and that might work for fans like me that, again, like not super not down with those movies, but not I don't hate them the same way that other people do. Right. It, it will probably interest me and I'll be like, oh, that's kind of fun. But there's a whole lot of people out there that are just going to be immediately write that off and not want it. And, and in some ways, I, I do see that if if Lucasfilm had just jumped a thousand years into the future, right? And started making content in a, in a really, really fresh era, or perhaps just leave all that connective stuff out of the Mandoverse, right? That that actually might work. You know what I mean? Like it, it, so what do you think about that? I think that they were trying to rely on the legacy characters, even with the Mandalorian, you know, with the Ahsoka and Luke, and you know, we don't yet know if Grogu is related to the two other Yaddles, the two other other Yoda species. Right. Um, I I, th I do think they're trying to connect the stories we know and love without jumping into the future and giving us completely brand new content just yet. Um, you said, what do I say to the fans who will have that reaction when they see Snoke appear in the Mandalorian inevitably at some point? Um, honestly, if people are willing to just write it off, then that that's just going to be the case. But I think and suspect what, producers want to do is to connect them to interesting characters we like such as Moff Gideon the armorer give it this big backstory to make it feel important mm. because a lot of the criticism for the sequel trilogy was well this is just the empire 2.0 and the resistance is just the rebellion um and i think lucasfilm either have to stick to their guns in that strategy go a completely different route and all of the signs point to them taking the, the former, which is towards the sequel trilogy route, add all of this extra stuff that provides context. Whether you like it or dislike it, I think season two of The Mandalorian, especially in the, the Carl Weathers episode, really proved like this is the direction they're going and Palpatine's contingency is going to be pretty much central to a lot of Star Wars going forward. We saw Mount Tantis in the Bad Batch ending and it's happening in the Mandalorian. It's probably going to be touched upon in Ahsoka. I think that's the route they'll go. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And I, but you know, it it kind of it's an interesting strategy. You know what I mean? And we'll see how it pays off, Cotton. Like I I really don't know. Like I'm I, I'm baffled. I continue to be baffled, kind of by 
uh, Star Wars and, and, and the branding and the choices. I mean, on the one hand, like I can see what you're saying, like stick to your guns, like just do it. And honestly, it could help. Like, you know what I mean? Especially if the content's just great, right? If the content's great and it happens to inform a lot of those things around that time period, like I, I think that is a win. And perhaps it's just the best way forward for the brand is to just kind of try to ignore the uh, really sort of vitriolic, uh, you know, complaints and, and just try to try to just move forward and, and continue to suggest like, hey, it is, you know, we are going to make really good content and this stuff all happens and it's really, really fun. I, I, I wonder just if that will sort of backfire though you know what i mean like i i really don't know as interesting as um a lot of the mando stuff and the stuff that star wars is doing on disney plus is it is kind of good for lucasfilm in some ways that this isn't out there in the box office or this isn't out there on like let's say uh publicly uh, you know, consumed television networks where like numbers, like everybody's privy to numbers, et cetera, et cetera, because they don't have to look at box office numbers or deal with bad ratings or something like that. Like they can more or less try to ignore or spin the data and, and the things that happen um, on Disney Plus. I'm just really curious if they do that and then the next Star Wars movie rolls around. I think that's going to be a big litmus test for you know, where the brand is at and and how things are going. And to me, like, I guess kind of just cutting to the chase, like, I, str- I feel without a, without a new beacon announcement type of a thing, without something to get many uh, disgruntled fans to at least be interested in the possibility of things getting better, I, I don't know if it's going to work. And yes, I am talking of, about Kathleen, but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Kathleen Kennedy stepping down or being fired or whatever. I think that, you know, they quietly promoted Dave Filoni to like this big creative position. Right. And I just think that's such a missed opportunity. Like, that's what I mean when I look at I look at Star Wars PR and I see uh, sins of uh, commission and sins of omission. Like, it's it's not just what they do. It's what they don't do and how they don't bounce on opportunities. That's an opportunity to elevate this guy and to sort of give the fandom something to say oh shit well now that this is happening oh things could be different you know what i mean and like you sort of start that debate it's a lot like in sports teams like you get a new head coach you're like okay what's his system going to be like you know what you know how are we going to get to the playoffs now like what what's going to be different in this regime you know that kind of stuff so i almost feel like until we get something like that happening the brand, those lingering issues are just going to continue to uh, to be there. Completely agree with you, but I think back to an earlier question, which ties into what you said. I'm not sure if Lucasfilm are quite aware of the scope of fans who didn't like the sequel trilogy, because there are tons of fans out there who did, um, who did very much enjoy that stuff. I do think the next cinematic release, which I assume is Rogue Squadron, will be a litmus test. Disney Plus is really the arena to be more experimental, and it's a blessing for Star Wars because they can be more hit and miss yeah. um, and, and, and then bring out the next thing. Um, but I'm not sure Lucasfilm actually are in touch with the fans. That's shown time and time again to be true. Yeah. Yes. How they react to things, how employees of Lucasfilm, Twitter 
to fans. It's it's kind of crazy. They're not really aware at all yeah. of what the fan base is about and how it's evolved and how it's changed and I guess the consensus amongst fans. And why do you think that is? Like, do you have any theories as to like why they feel so wildly out of touch? Because it's true. And, and you know, like my, you know, so I mostly cover like Marvel and Star Wars and like it's just really hard because like it's I get treated so well as a Marvel fan and, and Feige's definitely not perfect like they're not perfect like they say weird stuff like weird things happen they've they did the Ralph Boner thing like they've done things but they're so good at communicating to the fans and kind of continuing to double down on like what it is what it's about like what is the brand you know what are we trying to do here and it just feels like there's not room for sort of haters or retractors to sort of wedge into Marvel. And trust me, they try, right? I mean, I think Brie Larson was pro the Brie Larson situation was probably one of the big ones where it, it became um, sort of like a earned media thing uh, with Brie and that like whole thing blew up and there was a lot of like, you know, coverage that's negative based, you know, about that. And a lot of that is in Star Wars, obviously. Um, but Marvel, they can't, like, a lot of those people can't just get into, Mar they can't, like, crap on Marvel over it. There's too much love. There's too much, too many fans of Marvel feel like they're getting treated right, that they will not only look past some issues, but they will go to bat for that brand on social media, right? And then, like, I hang out in, in the Star Wars stuff, and it's just like a wretched hive of scum and villainy. It feels so divided, so toxic. And, I again, I, I just sort of say that the adult in the room, who is Lucasfilm, has done a terrible job of curtailing this narrative and this conversation. Like, what is it, Meg? What is it about Star Wars? It, like, why they got to be like, like that? Star Wars is, it's like Star Wars is the least favorite of the Disney children. Yeah. And we got nothing on Disney Plus Day, which some scoopers and leakers are saying, you know, that was a direct you know, punch in the tits them. You know, it was like um, a way for Lucasfilm to discredit people in the in that game. Sure. Um, and it, it just kind of feels like the relationship is, is very much that Lucasfilm, like the fans, I know that sounds kind of conspiratorial or whatever, but it, it's just how it comes across. When you yeah, look let's, at yo, let's dig into that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep going. Let's do that. Let's do that. So, look, this is such an interesting thing because, again, this is this is a debate that I just had with Theory. This is a debate that's just like ongoing, right? Because, like, I and I think this is such an important thing to distinguish. It feels that way, a hundred percent. And I think there are some bad actors and some bad, I, I guess, like influencers or like I, I, I kind of think of them as like nodes of uh, influence, right, from Lucasfilm, like a Hidalgo or whomever, right, these people. Um, and when you start to, like, add up and sort of uh, catalog all the different things that are said and all the different attitudes that are expressed, it does leave you with a feeling that Star Wars would rather move past all of these fans that have all of these connections and all of these... Uh, these wants and desires when it comes to their content, and they would rather have a fan base a little bit more like Marvel, where it seems like Marvel fans just love everything, and it's a lifestyle brand, and there's no huge issues with it. And, and the thing that's really weird about that is the, the tone deafness is sort of uh, really just... It, it's, it, it's brought to a total and complete point and a head where they think the difference 
is the fans. They think, oh, well, the Marvel fans are just nicer, better, and chiller, and the Star Wars fans aren't. When it is not that, it is how the company, and it is how the content, and it is how the heads of that estate communicate with the fans that has made all the difference. So, I mean, do you agree with that? Or like, what? Because it's it, it is so yeah. crazy to me that you have fans feeling like Lucasfilm literally doesn't like us or didn't doesn't like want us around or doesn't appreciate us or doesn't want to make content for us. Now, I think that it is not actually the case, but I also fully admit that that narrative exists because of Lucasfilm, because their inability to curtail that narrative or come out and say something to the to the sort of contrary uh, or the counterpoint of that. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's deliberate or not, that is how the fans feel. And a big part of it that's weird to me is that you can argue that it's all a business and Disney and Lucasfilm need to make money and Lucasfilm needs to make money on Disney's behalf. But a bigger portion is like there are Star Wars fans out there who, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us diehard fans would be more than happy to spend money on on good merch, on collectibles, on, you know, we go see the films 10 times in the cinema we would contribute enormously financially to the to the franchise star wars fans have always done that they're trying to almost make us less passionate about right. star wars and they, they they're mistaking the passion we have for toxicity and whether that's them who generate that through the way they market things the the mixed messaging on social media i'm not too sure Sure. Yeah. And it, it, it's just mind boggling. I, I, I don't really see consistency from them one way or another. Yeah. Because there's a part of me that, that thinks, you know, well, Lucasfilm doesn't really care about its fans, but it's like it, it does care about a very specific type of Star Wars fan. And it's not the type that would generate the most money for Lucasfilm. Because if you if you pander and, and market to, to the diehards who've been who've always been Star Wars fans and not trying to gatekeep, I just mean people who love Star Wars as George Lucas intended it to be mm. um that they miss out ultimately yeah yeah totally totally it's that's such an interesting distinction and uh i i think it's an important point to make i guess like where i sort of come from is that it just seems like really illogical that that would actually be something that they're like that they have on whiteboards that they go over in meetings that's like an agenda right like this this it can't be the case that Star Wars has this like active agenda to only cater to a certain type of fan and then to disregard the other ones. And, and the point, the proof is kind of in the pudding. Like what we're kind of talking about here is like that shift and how, yeah, if you look at, uh, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, you've got Clone Wars, like they literally like brought Clone Wars back. Like they, they went into all the different things that fans love that they they had they must have had evidence and just didn't really maybe consider it or whatever but like even from the merch like you're getting more like old republic merch you know like revan's lightsaber and like all these different things it just really feels like there was a shift to sort of get back to appeasing all of those groups of fans so it can't possibly be the case that they are literally making that decision but also, it is absolutely true that that narrative exists for a reason. Like, I don't think people that think that are crazy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of reasons that I could see why you would believe that. I just think that, like, again, that ultimately falls on Lucasfilm. Like, either way, it's their fault. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's 
I don't think it's their intention to actually destroy this brand and destroy this fan base. I, I definitely don't think they're trying to destroy it. That's counterproductive for them. Um, there is, as you said, now a shift where they're giving us more of the stuff we love as fans. Hmm. Um, it's um, it's a confusing situation. At least if you've been following Lucasfilm and Star Wars for the last, you know, five or six years, it's been a real shift. I think kind of semi-aware of the fandom and what fans are productively talking about, not people who are yelling for the sake of yelling. Sure. Um, it, it just kind of feels like they're not fully that. And I, th I think that's the same with actors as well. You know, like the Tamara Morrison situation. Um, I don't know if you heard about that, but I don't think uh, he was very happy with, with the book of Boba Fett. What situation was that? I'm sorry. Um, well, I, I, sorry. Uh, there's a car outside. It's all good. <laughs> the situation with Tamara Morrison and the Book of Boba Fett, some rumblings that he wasn't basically happy with the way the show turned out. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, so I, just from some of the interviews and some of the things that I've seen, it would appear that way, like just kind of reading between the lines, but I haven't really read much on how true that actually is or like if he like has made any statements recently. Uh, is this coming from some reliable people? Um, these are people I personally know um, affiliated with behind the scenes stuff, specifically to do with Andor and, and things that they've heard. And one thing they mentioned about Tamar Morrison was the fact that if you remember the statement he made about Mace Windu in season two and how he hopes John Favreau will take that idea and, and make a second season that explores Boba looking for Mace, I think Lucasfilm didn't like his input in the show. It kind of saw him as just an asset to be used as right. the actor yeah and they didn't really respect a lot of what he put forward because he felt you know i played django have a close connection with boba fett over all these years since the prequels i think i should have a say in this dialogue and some of the writing and kind of feel like again tinfoil hat moment may have penalized him for that if you know what i mean Wow, what a shame. So, okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about Book of Boba Fett. What's the deal with this show, Meg? You know, like, I, I wanted to really love Book of Boba Fett. And to me, like, I guess to summarize, like, my experience of it was, like, going into it, hearing all these crazy things about the leaks, getting, like, way too fanboyishly excited about some of the possibilities. I had this totally different idea uh, of what the show was going to be. And when the show started, watching those first couple episodes, like, I didn't love them, I didn't hate them, but I was kind of like, but we'll get there. You know, like, in my mind, I was like, we'll get to that show that I think is coming. And then, you know, those Mando episodes essentially happen, and they're mind-blowing. Like, they're some of the best live-action Star Wars we've ever gotten, in my opinion. They're incredible. But then the, the finale happens. It feels really lackluster. And then you look back at the show, and, like, I just don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to say. Like, that's the that's the show that's going to replace your hit show in The Mandalorian. You don't have much other stuff going on. Marvel's putting out three to four shows a year, and they aren't all, like, incredible. I would say, like, WandaVision and Loki were pretty dang good. And I just don't know, like, how does Star Wars do the Book of Boba Fett show the way they did it? I mean, what do you think was going on there? It's a very good question. Don't know what they were thinking to make it so small first of all you know when we saw the pike syndicate i was like 
had the Pikes a lot recently in Solo in the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars. Um, I really refuse to believe that was the the big villain. People say, well, you know, they made it interesting and and blah blah blah. But it's like it's Boba Fett. He's a legacy character, and this is the first time he's getting his own show. For me, just a lot of those story elements failed right from the outset. As you say, the Mandalorian episodes, chapters five and six, were incredible. I loved them. Then come to chapter seven, and it just kind of slipped off for me. Yeah, it was a fun episode. The Rancor rampage, all of that stuff. I honestly can't tell you what happened along the way, if it was writing, if it was poor planning. Is it that all of these different directors had a different vision, which made it feel like two or three shows in one? Really couldn't tell you. Yeah. It's just weird, right? Because like, it feels like that was such a big opportunity that they just kind of squandered in a lot of ways, you know, where I think it is literally the case that far less people are interested in Boba now than before the show. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's it's wild like, to me. It's almost like, you know, again, like going into those conspiracies where people are like, they're trying to destroy the brand. Like, they, they can't actually be trying to, but I can't get mad at you for thinking that, you know, especially after a show like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's the one Star Wars show I've not felt any urge to rewatch. Yeah. And I loved the first, like, four episodes, knowing how it kind of and transforms into the Mandalorian and I know I should love it because they were great episodes but it's got the book of Boba Fett on it yeah all I can hope for is that season three of Mando is gonna maybe try and connect and make it make sense because there were a few rumors that Tamar Morrison was filming for Mando season three so hopefully there's more yeah hopefully there's more and I kind of agree that like it feels like there was something missing and like there were a lot of scoopers again that had all these ideas of like you know Han or Kira and all these things happening and then you know a lot of them are saying like no it got pulled or it got changed or it got cut and I'm just like that is so weird and you know you think about that uh Disney plus day thing and how you know, that was something I heard as well that it felt like Lucasfilm was trying to take a direct shot at scoopers or insiders and like make them look bad but really it's star wars that ends up looking bad and that's such a baffling thing like you're gonna spend your resources and energy on something like that other than just making good content or making good public relations with your fan base it's it's pretty wild to me you know what i mean and it, it, i don't know like and i can kind of feel meg like as we're talking here and as we're going through this like i can kind of feel some of those not necessarily like all toxic positive fans but like fans that are very very positive on like i can feel like star wars santa watch you know like listening and being like oh, i don't know about all this and like starting to feel a certain way i mean that's that's another part of it as well right is that there are fans out there that are so i don't know like maybe traumatized isn't the right way to say it like maybe that's a little too hyperbolic but like they have been uh emotionally affected by some of the Star Wars hate, and it sort of seeped into their enjoyment of the sequels and their enjoyment of Star Wars in general over the past couple of years. And so they view some of these things and some of these criticisms through the lens of that. They view it through, this is just more of that same old hate, this is just more of that negative energy, it's just more of the let's hate on uh, Star Wars to get clicks uh, kind of a situation. I mean, how do you... Like, what do you think of that? And I guess, like, how do you handle that, like, within your own content, within your own circle? Because you do content with Santa. Like, have you guys had this this mm -hmm. kind of a discussion? Well, the great thing about Santa and I is, 
you know, we really respect each other's opinions and we disagree on so much. He hates the prequels. I love the prequels. I'm not the biggest fan of the sequels. He adores them. And I respect his opinions um, as a friend, as a as a fellow content creator. Um, I do think there have been people who just kind of just group you in if you if you criticize something with, oh, just this is just another sequels hater. This is just more toxicity. Um, and I would hate as a content creator to put something out there, opinion that makes someone feel isolated in the sense of they feel like I'm criticizing them or calling them out somehow. Because if you genuinely loved the book of Boba Fett, I love that you loved it. If you love the sequels, I love that you love those because I know growing up when I loved the prequels, there were tons of fans who despised them. I guess the problem comes when fans attack each other for disliking or liking something they like, and it becomes more than just the content. It becomes almost like if you criticize anything, you're labeled. If you don't criticize it, you're labeled. So I would just say, enjoy what you enjoy. And I try to be conscious of of the wording I use in my own videos. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean I censor myself. I don't, wouldn't prevent myself from saying something if I genuinely didn't like it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. That uh, kind of takes us into the current beef uh, that I have. Uh, and that's, this is all about the Inquisitor. So it, now we're going to do a straight hour on this shit because this is this this is uh, blowing my mind, uh, Meg, frankly. And perhaps this next segment can be a little bit of like therapy, right? Maybe I, this is like Josh on the okay. couch because here's the thing. I, in all of the sort of scenarios, in all the, the ways that I saw it playing out, I, I just didn't think in a million, million years that the first official trailer for Kenobi could be something that was so good in so many ways, and yet a single design element would be so jarring to me that it would take me out of my enjoyment of the trailer and, and put me into sort of a tailspin of uh, critical thinking about the designs uh, of the Inquisitors. Uh, so first off, like, what do you think of the Inquisitors? Am I being crazy? You're not crazy. I can't stop laughing when I see those pictures. They've been made into memes. Yeah, yeah. Grand Inquisitor looks like a little Easter egg. And the fifth brother doesn't look anything like you would hope, I guess, intimidating-wise. Yeah. Having said that, I'm not going to let it affect my enjoyment of the Kenobi show. Because for all we know, it was practical... Reasons, you know, maybe having a larger head like the Pal ones in um, Revenge of the Sith wasn't practical for the Grand Inquisitor, for Rupert Friend. I'd like to think it's that rather than them being lazy and not doing some research. I would yeah. say the Grand Inquisitor specifically just doesn't look right. I'm, I'm just kind of like, whatever, I'm not going to judge it until I see the full show. Hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And, and I've like, I've sort of tried to like wrap my head around it because, you know, uh, like yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, I was doing some like videos and research on like, you know, the theories and what could be happening with them in the show. And it is a really exciting prospect to have in live action Star Wars. And it's like, I want to be really excited for it. And I want to be pumped. But I just I can't help it. Like it feels jarringly bad. And it's not that it doesn't look like the version from the Clone Wars or rather uh, Rebels to me like that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is like at face value, it just doesn't look good. Like, if it looked good but was different, like, I'd be down. You know what I mean? But it looks so wildly out of place. And, yeah, the fifth brother, it looks really, really silly. Like, you know, the memes have been really, really funny. Like, my favorite one's probably 
the uh, with the one from Rebels, like looking over. It's that scene from I think Free Guy where they look at each other from uh, the cars, or maybe that was a Fast and the Furious. But uh, yeah, and they just like look at each other, and you see like the one from Rebels, and then you see, you know, the Sun Kang one. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because I think Kenobi is it represents such hope and such optimism and like a really, really cool show for star Wars fans. And I, I love the idea of it, like bridging uh, the uh, prequels in the OT, but I really, really don't like uh, the designs. And, and I can try to say like, I'm not going to let it affect my enjoyment, but it literally already has, it, it has already affected my enjoyment uh, of the show. And I'm trying to be a little bit more, you know, like open about it, but not linger on it for the sake of the content. But I still get a ton of people in the comments and a ton of folks that are just there. Again, they're so it's like they have uh, PTSD from the fan wars of the time of the sequels. And they're like, here you go again. Or like, oh, Star Wars fans so whiny or like Star Wars fans can't love Star Wars and all this kind of stuff. And it's that like, I guess, like toxic positivity or like defending things uh, at all costs. And it just feels like um kind of another uh, microcosm of all of the problems that the Star Wars brand has, yeah. you know? I'm I'm like I'm kind of worried, you know what I mean? Like I uh, I, I don't know. I feel know. like for me this is one criticism that is completely valid because we know what the species are meant to look like in live action. Mm-hmm. Don't have to look he doesn't have to look identical to Star Wars Rebels, but he looks completely off and I remember when Bespin Bulletin a few weeks ago before the trailer dropped they were like Rupert Friend isn't playing Agent Callus like was rumored he's playing the Grand Inquisitor and I thought that's got to be wrong I thought I respect Bespin Bulletin this time I think they've got it wrong Lo and behold the the teaser comes and and it's Rupert Friend I'm like oh that doesn't look right because I was hoping Jason Isaacs yeah. would reprise the role he's got the face shape he's got the the look the voice obviously yeah the voice in rebels no i think this this criticism is definitely valid and people who are saying it's just more toxic whininess it's just silly yeah because they're, they're not actually seeing what what people are saying they're just right it in with hate well you know it kind of takes me to this idea though that like you know to sort of throw a bone to lucasfilm it's probably actually difficult for them to look out into the internet and you know look at their own fan base and get an accurate idea of what's going on and this was like one of the things that because you know like i have uh, several friends sort of on the like uh retractor side of things right like jay and you know some of those guys and it's like uh, you know one of the things that i think they did some damage that uh, maybe they're not fully aware of but there was so much crying wolf over things that i don't think all the time warranted it because they just wanted to, to sort of churn out content right like there were some things that were just really made into a mountain uh, that were a molehill. And what that did was now leave us in a place where you have those fans that are going to get those sort of triggered feelings and just sort of, you know, lump valid criticisms in with hate. But also from the perspective of the brand, how is Star Wars supposed to look out now and get any kind of a feedback, like any feedback that they can actually like discern you know, what they should do from? It's a very good question. I'd imagine their PR team and social media teams would be able to do that. Um, it's not that hard, though. And sometimes I've genuinely wondered 
how much do the people working on these projects know Star Wars? Mm, yeah. Do they each from the the source material, like the the visual guides, the books, encyclopedias and such, do they do their research? Because, you know, I think someone was saying, at least give the Grand Inquisitor the right um, Sith eyes. Right. Or the teeth. I mean, the, even the pointy teeth. I mean, it teeth. just, yeah, yeah, it feels, it feels like wild out of touch. And I saw some conspiracy theories of like, they can't, like, they cannot afford uh, certain like work to be done or something like that. And I'm like, that is, that's, that's crazy. Like, I don't know, maybe, but th it's Lucasfilm. It's Disney. Like they have a lot of money. So I don't understand like how that could possibly be a an issue. And for them to like create young Mark Hamill, like I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was a little bit expensive to create young Mark Hamill, you know? Uh, and yet mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be the care or, uh, respect given to those uh inquisitor uh characters so yeah i mean it just it kind of bugs me I'm, I'm gonna try to like get over it and, and i'm still really excited for uh kenobi but let me ask you a wild question what if kenobi is not good i personally think it's gonna be great right can't fathom it not being good just based on the things i've heard um the show and how it ends and everything mm -hmm. it sounds like it's really going to do fans of the prequels justice it's really going to be you know lovely self-contained six episode story so from that standpoint i can't see it being organized i mean just from the start you've got deborah chow directing all six episodes joby howard wrote all of them it's, it's gonna be i think a great show yeah so if I, it's if yeah. for whatever reason it's not and Everything we've heard is completely mistaken. I think that would do more damage than the sequel trilogy or how people perceive the sequel trilogy because now you're messing with another legacy character, but I don't think it's going to come to that. Sure, sure. So I think that's fair. Let me just kind of parse uh, this out, though. So I've I've heard a lot of this stuff, too, and I it, it does sound like they're... Like, I think the most positive thing that I continue to kind of get out of the leaks and, you know, all that sort of stuff is that it does feel like special attention has been given to make the content and the beats feel right for the characters in that moment, but also right for the overall canon, right? Like there's a lot of care, at least from what we're reading, you know, and, and, and kind of hearing about, there's a lot of care given to, you know, upholding that image of Luke, to upholding the image of Leia, to keeping it so that there's not a total collapse of the continuity and that there's, you know, so even maybe even an enhancement of what some of these things mean and then sort of leading to, um, you know, the most recent stuff with uh, uh, Qui-Gon, you know, and uh, going back to Tatooine and just kind of like chilling in the cave and stuff like that. Like that all that all sounds incredible right but i here's where i think um it's actually it is possible that even with all of that being said um that you will potentially have a messy show is that number one i could not have fathomed screwing up a book a boba fett show like before boba fett i i literally like I think I even said it several times where I was like, bro, you can't screw up Boba. Like, just just get him out there, get, have him blast some fools, you know what I mean? Like, you can't screw it up. It's literally, it sells itself. You just got to do a Boba Fett show. Like, what's the, what's the log line? It's a Boba Fett show. Like, that's all you need. So that's kind of number one. And number two, I think if it all feels 
like it's trying to be that thing so desperately that, you know, right now we think it could be. And yet all of the scenes feel a little hollow or just a little bit off, like kind of what I'm saying about the Inquisitors, then it will ultimately, it, it could feel like a show that had the checklist of everything you needed to do to be a good Kenobi show, but didn't actually execute it in a way that felt like a good Kenobi show. Does that make sense? Makes sense. I, I guess that's just for us to see when it comes out. No way to know how the cinematography was and how the directing is on the whole, but trust Deborah Chow and, and the people who worked on the show and what we've heard and seen, it's it's going to be great. I mean, you said that you thought The Book of Boba Fett couldn't be a show that was screwed up easily beforehand. I personally thought I was right about the Book of Boba Fett being a show that I initially went into it thinking this could be where John Favreau's flaws would really be exposed. Mm. And lo and behold, writing of the show gen generally was probably one of the worst aspects. It was of, horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In my opinion. Exactly. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I really hope not for Kenobi's sake. Um maybe I'm being too optimistic. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have no. to see. I want to be optimistic too, but I think it's it's very interesting what you said about the fact that this could do more damage to the sequels. And like, I almost feel like this self-fulfilling prophecy of absolute tragedy going on here. Like that in like 10, 20 years, like I'll be teaching a friggin' class on like the tragedy of Lucasfilm and under Disney and how they absolutely destroyed the brand. Not like some clickbait, you know, bullshit videos that, you know, you can put out now, but like legit, like, oh my God, this happened. And you could almost trace it back to them kind of like taking all of the most popular toys and like really fucking them up just one after another and then like now they're dipping to vader and obi-wan it's like who's going to be left if they actually go there and legitimately screw it up right again that's sort of counter to a lot of the stuff that we've been hearing about the show and it feels like a lot of care is there and all that but i think that at this point like i can't really blame fans for being trepidatious about the show and about lucasfilm's handling of these characters their track record is not exactly stellar right i agree with you it's um completely natural for fans to be a bit edge about this kenobi series and a bit cautious i've heard um cautious optimism being thrown around quite a lot i get it i just really hope for star wars brand which i want to succeed because we love star wars yeah really hope for their sake that this is a great show and we all can kind of a faith in Lucasfilm again. Yeah. So I want to throw a curveball at you, and then we'll sort of finish up by talking about like the future of Star Wars and like projects that we're excited and about and stuff like that. So sure. I wanted to ask you about uh, Rebel Moon. Are you familiar with what Rebel Moon is? I think Santa brought this up once. Could you please explain? Yes. So uh, Zack Snyder, he pitched a Star Wars movie to Lucasfilm. This was a couple of years ago, and he put a lot of like kind of love into this pitch. He, he's a big fan and, you know, obviously a cinephile himself. And so like he put together this pitch of a story that he would want to do within the Star Wars universe. They rejected the pitch, and now he is taking that pitch and has a massive budget with Netflix, and he is doing a version of that, but just creating his own world and his own universe. And from you know what we're hearing, like Netflix has already greenlit like multiple sequels, and essentially they are trying to make this their 
Star Wars. And I wonder if you have any uh, any thoughts about that. Um, I'm still a bit confused. Uh, about what part? About, like, the comparison. What do you mean? Like, so... What are you, I don't understand why you're confused. What's What's confusing about it? You're asking what I think about... Zack Snyder's pitch or... Yeah, so what do you... Because, okay, let me try to frame it to you this way. Star Wars is obviously a massive brand, massive IP, but the key to its success is actually rooted, in my opinion, in uh, the sort of mystical, mythic storytelling that goes on within those first movies and, you know, in in the prequels as well. But, like, there's this, there's this big umphy like draw to star wars just in general like the light side the dark side the jedi and the sith there's a lot of like sort of uh primal or uh, mythical ideas that are attached to that and in a world where the narrative with star wars is that the brand has been co-opted by a major corporation to kind of make money and not necessarily carry on the integrity of what first made it really really successful Along comes a guy in Zack Snyder who the narrative around him as a brand, which massively blew up around the time of the Snyder cut, was that this is a guy that whether you like it or not, as far as like aesthetically, he has a style and a vision and he's an art tourist filmmaker. Okay, And so you combine that with where we're at right now as a culture, where it feels like a lot of this stuff is uh, saturated. And, and people talk about it all the time, like, what's going to be the next Star Wars? Or what's going to be the next Game of Thrones, right? Like, what's going to be the next pop cultural phenomenon? And I see a scenario in which Zach, with his current, like, just rabid fan base, combined with the fact that the Star Wars brand itself is in such a weird place that a lot of Star Wars fans are literally looking for someone else to do Star Wars, that you could have this sort of almost perfect storm event where the best Star Wars we get from this point on will not be done by Disney, but it will be done on Netflix by Zack Snyder. So I guess that's what I mean. Like, do you obviously don't share those immediate beliefs, but now that I've sort of explained it, do you, uh, mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts about that? I think that's really interesting. Um, kind of this idea of like um, a visionary, if you will, in film you can take a brand and take a franchise has a very clear image of where it wants to go and just kind of, I think that would be very good for Star Wars. And I think maybe to some extent we'll get that with um, Taika Waititi's movie, which is rumored to be about based around the early Jedi Order. Um, but I do think the shame is there's been turned into business aspect first of star wars to make money right um which it can do it can have both it can have a visionary it has this idea for where the brand goes and creates movies around their vision but also it being very profitable because they're hitting all the right spots for fans and going back to the mystique of star wars that would be a great thing yeah, yeah. I just think, I guess what I'm saying is like, it, it might be the case that sort of the failing of modern Star Wars could in some ways give birth to the next Star Wars. And that Rebel Moon, especially like, I just think it's uniquely positioned, specifically because Lucasfilm rejected his pitch. Lucasfilm rejected mm -hmm. his pitch. And in some weird way, it's almost like this almost genius PR move. 
because Zach's brand is galvanized by how Warner Brothers rejected him. Even as they're like building his, you know, allowing him to finish his film, even during that entire process, they're still like saying no, like we don't really, you know what I mean? Like don't do this, like they're trying to restrict. And so at a time when all of the things that are the negative narratives about Star Wars could could create a, a, a sort of funneling over to this other project in Rebel Moon. And like one of the things I thought of immediately after watching the, uh, the design of the Inquisitors, I was like, man, this is just not it. I promise you the evil people that are in Zack's Rebel Moon will look way cooler, way more sinister, and could literally evoke more of like the imagination of fans and give us that that deeply rooted mythological fantasy. And and look, we have no idea. It's super far out for the film. But I I, I just I don't know. I literally see a scenario where that's the new Star Wars. And, and if Star Wars doesn't get their act together, you could be looking at an IP that steals a lot of your thunder and also being put up by one of your greatest competitors moving forward in the streaming space. It, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems, it seems like it could be a perfect it's definitely storm. possible. Yeah. Probably take a long time to really um, take away that audience because Star Wars fans will always be around. Um, and there'll always be, I think, enough people excited about upcoming projects. I, I, I'd be very curious to see where that would lead because there has been a lot of talk about independent creators making their own sci-fi and fantasy and space operas and all of that mm-hmm. and this idea of like those independent creators could take over these conglomerates eventually with their ideas yeah well I also think and, too you know, like going back that's to the marketplace yeah that's what that's what happened yeah and I think it's possible that like if Zach comes out and just it's amazing, right? And like all Star Wars fans are like, because like this will be the narrative. Like they'll be like, this is better than the sequels. This is better than what Star Wars is giving us right now. Like that, if that becomes the narrative, which would be a positive for Zach's stuff, then maybe in some weird way, that would put the pressure back on Lucasfilm to re-innovate, to re-investigate uh, these ideas, to get those creatives, to find their, you know, their version of that and, and try to actually do some really uh, important storytelling because like right now it's just really like feels really mismanaged without like a clear vision. And that will not be the case uh, over there because they're not really held to canonical standards because he's creating it. So he has sort of that benefit as well, but it could be, it could end up being like a copacetic situation where it's like, Oh, Zack Snyder's star Wars was dope, but now star Wars is creating better content because of that competition. You're saying it's going to be better for Star Wars in the long term because they'll feel the pressure to meet that standard. I feel like that is a possibility. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, because <laughs> right now, Star Wars, despite um, having all the issues that it has, it's still probably the envy of most brands and IPs, right? It still like brings this huge draw. They it, it pops. I mean, it's still like I think most brands would pay a lot of money to have all of the problems that Star Wars has because it means it's coming with the big audience and all of that sort of stuff, right? Um, But I also think that it's hard to say that if they continue to act the way they're acting right now, that there won't be long-lasting ramifications. And we just talked about like the litmus test being um, the next box office film, right? And I'm just... The way it's seeming right now, uh, Rebel Moon might actually come out 
head to head with either Rogue Squadron or something else. Now, it might be a streaming movie as compared to like being out in theaters. It might have some kind of theatrical release, like it's kind of too early to know. But it just feels like, man, I just see like in some weird way, like this is the way that story's going, you know, for this brand. And uh, I, I got to be honest, like, Meg, like I'm at, I'm literally kind of at a point where uh, I want, I'm more excited for Rebel Moon. Uh, than almost anything else that Star Wars has planned for the future. Uh, you know, certainly more than anything they've publicly announced. Um, and I won't care at all if I come out of Rebel Moon saying, this is better, and an IP that I literally like more now. You know what I mean? See, while I respect that opinion, I I don't really share that, just because I think that's kind of like a gloomier reality for the future of Star Wars. I think when... You know, Disney Plus is still quite recent and all of the organization for it is quite recent. I think if Star Wars is able to find its stride on Disney Plus with these upcoming shows the way that they did with The Mandalorian, I do see its future being brighter than relying on competition with independence because it's going to be that crappy sort of thing. Sure. No, well, let's, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about the future. Is there any... Um... Like, what are your kind of anticipations or is there any projects or possibilities that you're like really, really looking forward to uh, in the next couple of years? I'd say aside from Kenobi and or is the big project I'm really excited about. Interesting. Is there any like reason uh, why? I know the most about it. It's the show I know the most about. Ooh, well, goody, 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 gum, 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 goody, goody, gumdrops. Tell me all about it, Meg, because here's the thing. I've heard some wild things about Andor. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you know a lot about it. What's exciting you about the show? I think Star Wars fans don't realize what's going to be in it and what the big hook of the show is going to be. And because, you know, Tony Gilroy's involved and a few of the people, other people in Rogue One, a lot of people expect it to just be a Rogue One prequel. But that's not the case at all, because it's going to have some overlap, some of the other stories we're seeing play out right now. Mm. Um, and I don't think people really quite know how big this show is going to be. Right. So this is something that I've sort of expressed as well, is that I feel like it's the perfect kind of hub show. Uh, because it can actually connect into almost everything else that they're also doing on Disney+. Plus. Like, this actually includes Kenobi, technically includes Ahsoka, Mando, sequels, prequels. There are so many characters that sort of converge at that time period, and a lot of stuff that's going on with, like, the macro between the Empire and the sort of budgeting rebellion, if you will. And uh, that is an exciting prospect, but is there anything like specific? Because you use a lot of vague statements there. Is there anything specific about that time period that you're like, yo, like this is what I'm excited about? I can't be too specific. Um, that's because I know two, two of the people who worked on in the makeup department and again with the camera crew. And because they filmed actually very near to where I live. And I got a couple of emails when when they were filming and I saw some things, I've heard some things, but just expect, I guess, fan service, but in like a really relevant way. I'd say some of the characters you may not expect to see in the show appear. And again, that ties into Kenobi in a way and possibly the Bad Batch. 
Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. And also, how dare you not tell us all exactly what you know? Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's, that's pretty exciting. Uh, I th- I'm excited for Andor. I also heard, too, that George Lucas is attached to Andor uh, in a way that he has not been attached to anything else under Disney Star Wars so far. So that's like just another... I, I don't really know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, that's just something like... Like, I've seen some sort of documentation, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But I don't even necessarily know what it means. But if the show is as big of a deal as I think it will be, it, I wouldn't be surprised at all if George was involved uh, in the show. What do you think about that? What do you think about Uncle George? don't know if George was involved. I think yeah, I haven't seen any documentation or heard anything about it. I was told that George being involved is is false. Again, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, I know... I was told he wasn't... uh, Yeah, yeah, so I know for sure that the documents are real. I just don't know what they mean. You know what I mean? So, like... Oh, I see. Yeah, so, like, he was absolutely attached to it. Um, But I don't know if he was, like... To me, it could be something as simple as... uh, Perhaps there were notes that he gave on a certain character for that time period. It's possible that he created a character for the show like they went to him and were like well, what do you think about this this and he's like well i always thought about this uh and that could be as simple as that um or it could really be a nothing burger like it could just be that they've like there was a moment when um dc started giving credit to uh bill finger as well as bob kane and uh so then technically his estate and his name is then attached in a way that's different than before so it could be like almost a clerical thing too right so again i don't know exactly uh what it means but i feel pretty strongly that i'll be validated on that after it comes out and i'll tell jason that uh, i told you so so you know we'll uh we'll see but is there anything else going on um with star wars what's what else is on your radar like what else are you really excited about i'm quite excited about the animated stuff especially the one we don't know about that was um hinted at by the the kind of brothers mm. So excited for the Bad Batch, Kenobi, Andor, pretty much all of the series. I'm curious to see how Ahsoka, next to the Mandalorian and Rebels, and maybe even Heir to the Empire. Really excited, excited for Star Wars right now. How about yourself? So I think mine, I'm most anticipated would definitely be Ahsoka. Um, and look, I just, I totally am a Dave Filoni fanboy, and I think that, like, I love the finale of Mando season two, but I think the Ahsoka episode is literally just as strong. Like it's very good. So I, if he can do that level of work on multiple episodes and like have a show that's essentially like that quality throughout, then that's going to be absolutely mind blowing. I I mean, I'm excited for Andor uh, for sure. I'm excited for some of the video game stuff that they have coming. I mean, Eclipse is kind of bittersweet because, like, I almost don't want to get excited for it because I'm not even sure if it'll actually ever happen, right? But, um, you know, uh, Fallen Order 2, that could be really, really cool. The Ubisoft um, open world game, uh, that could be really, really cool. And then, frankly, I think what excites me the most is stuff that, like, I still don't know for sure will happen in the way that I think it will happen. But like, for instance, like actually doing some kind of version of heir to the empire via the Filoni verse, like that would be a big, big win. Um, doing an old Republic movie or series, that would be a really, really big win. So there's still plenty of stuff, uh, that, that like I'm personally excited for, but like, 
I don't know, you know, Rogue Squadron. I, I like Patty, and I think it would be like a serviceable movie. Taika's movie, I'm like, I like Taika, but also like Taika needs guardrails. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I'm not even super keen on some of the movie stuff that they've announced. I was frankly more excited when Dan and Dave were attached, you know, um, even though I hated the end of Lord of the Rings, I, I, was, I was at least thinking like, this is a fresh take, like, you know, Game of Thrones meets Star Wars, like that feels really good uh, from just a face value level. And so I don't know that I guess there's there's definitely stuff I'm excited for. But like the movies, I'm not uh, really that excited for. Um, and when it comes to Acolyte, I'm just I'm really not sure. I don't think there's enough yet to be excited for um but yeah I, I would say probably that stuff um as well as hopefully something new like if i really had to say the 100 percent thing that i want to see the most that i almost feel bad getting excited about because again i don't know if it'll even ever really happen is the kevin feige star wars movie and when michael waldron was attached in the trades uh, to that movie and that Feige would be tapping the guy that wrote Loki and Multiverse of Madness and that was that Rick and Morty guy, a guy that I just think is brilliant. And then you was attached, in my opinion, the greatest producer of all time. That to me was like, bruh, like that's what I'm here for. Like I want to see what that is, you know? Um, but unfortunately, like we have heard next to nothing about that um, almost since Rise. Yeah, I think those are kind of long-term projects more than anything. Yeah, Interestingly, you were talking about video games. I'm definitely excited for Fallen Order Two. Told it's just going to be um, it's going to be titled something different. So it'll be Jedi and something else. It won't be Fallen Order. Oh right, yeah, they're but, just going to um, call it the Jedi games now or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like its own little franchise. Yeah, I, think I would I say saw, I'm like, really Jordan excited Mason's. for the Lego game. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, people love those Lego games. I mean, they're not necessarily for me, but I know, I mean, even I thought the new trailer for the new one looked really, really cool, the Skywalker saga or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, look, I just wish we had more cool Star Wars video games. You know, that's another side of it that's been kind of restricted. And even though I like uh, Fallen Order and I like, you know, the Battlefront stuff, it's just, it's a far sight different than when it was when we were younger and we were getting just a ton of Star Wars games. And uh, it just felt like there was, you know, we were more on point. It was more fun being had. And so I, I, I'm hoping we can get past that because it seems like now there's a lot more and it's not all just EA. So that's kind of a positive shift as well. Like getting, you know, Ubisoft to have a crack at it, et cetera, uh, is a good way to sort of diversify, diversify that talent pool. But um yeah, there's there's definitely stuff I'm excited about when it comes to Star Wars, but I also and I think it's you know it just kind of becomes clear uh, to anybody that watches you know my content or watches me stream is that uh, Star Wars and I are not on the best uh, of terms you know right now and it's 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 rough, um, but it's really I think sort of exacerbated because of the Marvel coverage that I make, like it is just a totally different vibe. Um, and it's just really unfortunate because Star Wars is my first love. Like I love Star Wars way more than I love Marvel. It, it meant way more to me when I was younger and even, you know, in the past couple of years, but it is just wildly different the way that those separate, uh, fan bases, 
you know, react to things, the way they talk to each other, the way they talk to themselves, like it's just wildly different. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I would love to sort of get past it, but I also don't think it's totally invalid. I think it actually makes sense. I think that you can trace it back to ultimately a lot of things that they did. And that's a tough one for me. You know what I mean? I, I try to be positive and I love talking to, you know, people like you or people like Chaco that have uh, a more optimistic outlook on stuff because I think it's an important voice out there. You know, it's important to acknowledge that, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not there, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's completely fair, completely feel your pain. And there are days where I feel the same way about Star Wars. I try to just focus on why I love this franchise, what it's always meant to me. And, you know, I I always hope there will be better days, better days ahead. But I completely understand why you wouldn't be as optimistic with the state of the way things have been. Yeah. I do think, though, that to sort of try to take it to an optimistic place before we get out of here, it does seem... Like, we're at least going to get a bunch of stuff, right? So, like, we were in kind of, like, a weird drought. So, with Kenobi, with Andor, with Ahsoka, with Bad Batch Season 2, and with a lot of the projects that are, you know, rumored to be there but not announced, you know, this we could get a, a whole bunch of more stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about, about that. I guess I just really hope that, like, the first step into that, at, that, which would be Kenobi, like, wow, can that not afford to be, like, a misstep for them? So, yeah, we're... We're about to enter a time period where it's almost like phase two of uh, Disney Star Wars, right? And, and if they can put a lot of these lessons they've learned into play, we could get into a much better spot because I do think winning solves a lot of things, you know? And so I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, as you said before. Yeah, and I suppose it's almost like a judgment day, isn't it? Because if they mess up Kenobi... I I just don't see a way back for Star Wars under under Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And hey, if that happens, you and I will sit down again and we'll be like, oh my God, this happened, right? And we'll have like a totally yeah, different, exactly. to yeah, we'll have a totally different tonal conversation. But uh, before we do get out of here, I just want to say that I, I enjoy your videos. I think, again, you do a great job with the way you present uh, information. I think you're a good communicator. And I, I like how you take into account the state of uh the star wars fan base i'm also kind of envious of you for not starting your channel until after rise i feel like i'd be way less jaded and way less butthurt if i had done the same uh because those are some rough fucking years meg but uh yeah so shout out to you and then is there anything you're working on uh, what do you want to tell the people as far as your content or things like that thank you very much that's really kind i love your videos you were one of the channels who inspired me to do star wars youtube i came across you i think in 2018 Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and I'm currently working on a Attack of the Clones documentary. That's going to be with Star Wars Santa, Star Wars only. We've got a couple of other people who are collaborating on it because it's going to be the 20th anniversary in May. Yeah. That's episode a, two. Yeah, that's really cool. So you're going to kind of just dig into that film and... Uh, like talk about like the reaction and some of the behind the scenes stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Kind of cool. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Very Absolutely cool. Like what was, what was the fandom like back then following mm. the reception of episode one? What was the state of the fandom like, what was it like for George Lucas writing it? Just kind of take people back to 2002, 
a couple years prior. That's super cool. Just that... kind of relive that period of time. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And then where can people find you? I mean, obviously the uh, the YouTube channel is Star Wars Meg, but you're on socials and stuff, yeah? I'm on Twitter, Star Wars Meg one Nice. And I think those are, those are the two big ones. Cool, 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 cool. Well, I just want to say again, thank you for doing this. And uh, we'll, I'm thank sure you so we'll, much for having me, Josh. Yeah, of course. And I'm sure we'll do it again. And uh, yeah, guys, if you want to check Meg's stuff out, she's uh, Star Wars Meg one and Star Wars Meg on YouTube. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this podcast.